live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Feel good Thursday, rolling along on the sports huddle here in the capital city, 1061 ESPN. Sean Robertson from CBS 6 co-hosting with me, Bob Black. Uh, Lewis on the other side of the glass over there. Would love to hear from you and put you on the air with us. 804-327-0888. It's been a festive Thursday here. It's our kind of staff client holiday party and they've been roaming in the building and there's food and drink and merriment so we've had fun with them and we've had fun talking I guess exclusively college football right in the first hour between Pedro Arruza head coach Randolph Macon join us their big quarterfinal game at Johns Hopkins uh, Saturday and then the Kurt Signetti story has obviously dominated this thing and we talked Sean about you know should he have gone to Indiana should he not I think we're both in agreement yes he should have. Maybe yeah. there would have been a, a better, more attractive school out there somewhere. But right now, time and place, money, Big Ten, mm-hmm. take the opportunity and, and see what you can do with it. Um, and I think, I think, I didn't get your opinion on this. I'm okay with him coaching this bowl game. I don't know. I don't know how you feel on that. I, like I said in the first hour, most cases I would rather the coach just move on. We'll do our thing. You do your thing. Thank you for the memories and go. For some reason, I feel like this is okay. I would agree. I think uh, I think the players probably would want Signetti to mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. be with them for this final game, given the fact that he really stood up for the guys during this period where, you know, they felt the NCAA did them wrong, and he was right there in the forefront, vouching for his guys, really supporting his guys, and they probably would say, "Look, if we can, let's let's have him coach this one mm-hmm. last game. Let's all be together. Let's win it. Finish what uh, twelve and one." Um, win a bowl game for the first time in program history let's just get do it uh one last hurrah so i think i think it'd be good for him to do it and just uh hopefully everything you know plays out you know it doesn't really bleed into the preparation and what i mean by that is hopefully the getting ready for indiana and prepping for indiana doesn't totally take his focus away from what they are trying to do at jmu i'm fascinated by the process and being in college athletics I know a little bit about it. I'm, I've never been on the total inside of a coach hiring. But, you know, in the positions I've been in, I, mm. I do understand the machinations of it. That's a cool wow. like That's a Dick Tarrant word. Machinations. By the way, if my, wow. buddy, if my buddy Greg Bond is listening right now, he's like driving off the road <laughs> or he's laughing hysterically. Now, has Coach Tarrant said that? Because there is... are two words that Dick Tarrant used okay. almost in the same sentence. <laughs> Trepidation. And machinations. Trepidation, I know. Machinations. The machinations of the hiring process would be the way I would use that word. (laughs) And I am fascinated by it in this case. Okay. Because the president of the university, Alger, will certainly be involved. Yep. And I think he will be there, even Mm -hmm. though there are some people critical of how he handled the whole NCAA situation. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bourne is not going to be there. Done by June, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But we assume he's going to be involved in the hiring, but he's not going to be the new head coach coach's boss and there are some you know really intriguing names 
out there that I think we want to get to. Yeah. And Matt brought it up. Uh, Shane Metlin has a great article on that already up. Mm-hmm. That's why Shane is one of the um, nominees for um, and sports, writer, sports writer, of writer of the year in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So we'll get to all of that. Our callers have been great on the JMU topic today. So let's keep that going first and foremost. 804-327-0888. Brian, thanks for listening and thanks for dialing us in today. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Hey, listen, um, has anyone talked about the possibility of McLeod or any other players following the coach to Indiana? Yeah, I think that's the big elephant in the room, right? Mm -hmm. Because McLeod has another year. And um, that will be a little dicey, don't you think, Sean? What what do you think there? Yeah, because he would have to sit out, right? Well, he could go as a grad student. Oh, okay. I don't think so. You don't think he can go as a grad student? I think he can go. A lot of them can because if the coach, I think the rule is if the coach yeah. leaves, they can. Yeah. They won't be penalized. Oh, they won't. Yeah, I think you're right. I think on two fronts here, we have it that he could play immediately. You're right. You're wow. definitely right, Brian. That coach leaves, player can do that, and I think he would be a grad student anyway. And grad students can play right away. Ooh, that's big. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a that's a great. Great point, Brian. And, he's, I and McLeod is the one that has Power Five experience. Yeah, right? he, he played comes in Arizona. From, yeah, he comes from Power. He could definitely oh, do that. that. That that's that's huge. If that's the case, that would be yeah. huge. That would be a real big pickup if McLeod did or leave and go with him to, to go to. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. If that happens, yep. Good point, Brian. Good well, point. Listen, guys, I enjoy the show. Um, last year, I called you all when all the uh, consolidation and movement with the conferences going on and uh i i just wanted to say happy holidays thank you appreciate it brian Brian. you've kept our run of good callers going today we don't normally have bad callers for the most part sometimes we have annoying (laughs) these are important calls these were good calls today thank you brian appreciate it 804-327-0888 and that is an aspect i hadn't thought about like which ones could transfer with him to indiana Definitely. Oh. To me, def- if you could get McLeod and Surratt, if Surratt has another year of eligibility left, those two had a real great connection this season when McLeod was yeah. inserted as a starting quarterback. I think Surratt had four touchdowns in the win against Coastal Carolina this past Saturday. If you can get those two, and maybe, again, I threw this name out first hour, if you can get a Juice Wells. Well, that one makes more sense. He's coming from another program. Yeah. And he used to be at JMU. Yeah. Um, that he, one makes some more The ones that would leave JMU to follow Signetti to Indiana. And don't have to sit out. Oh, that's hard for me to under. I mean, I know it happens all the time now in this yeah. day and age. But in the old days, when a coach took a job at another school, nobody ever dared go with them. Mm-hmm. They'd be accused of tampering. and, right. and Not all anymore. The, not anymore. Now it's like, if you don't go, what's wrong with you? So I wonder I, if that defensive player of the year of the Sun Belt, if he's got a, a year of eligibility, left. does he go? Yeah. Just uh, those those are gonna be big names because if that's if with that being in place, why wouldn't you want to leave the, yes. with that guy? And you're only playing by the rules. Yeah. You're not doing anything illegal or wrong. He's Emotionally leaving. I can it's leave gut right. Yeah. Yes. I can leave with him. And I'm, go with him. Can go to Indiana. I'm going with my guy who is my coach and I'm going to a power five and I'm going to play in the Big Ten. And you I know mean, this and you know the system. It yeah. would not you know, not a lot wow. of uh, change. If McLeod, that'd be huge if yeah, McLeod would, does I'm, go. I'm with that you changes that. that dynamic a little bit for Indiana. If you can get those guys from JMU to play and play immediately, instant credibility. 
for Indiana. I'm that just kind of like wonder what are the what are the conversations like day in and day out right now in the offices at JMU. I mean, you know they're going. The coaches are they talking to the guys? Are they probably not? But how awkward is that? You know, like as soon as he puts that Indiana cap on, mm-hmm. is he texting Jordan McLeod? I mean, or whomever. I w- there's probably a little wink wink. Yeah. And right? then after after that game, after that bowl game, hey, I'm now a I'm now a Hoosier. No doubt. You put your name in the portal, you're fair game. Yep. At that point. Yeah. I'll I'll pay attention to see how quickly a lot of these guys from if they do, if they transfer, how quickly after the bowl game do they go in the portal? Or conversely, how many of them show the loyalty and stay and stay at JMU? I think they will move quickly on the coach. They have to, to. recruiting, signing days coming, all of that, uh, and and they've shown great loyalty up till now, right? When the whole transition thing happened, no bowl game at all. You know, now Signetti was there; he was yeah. the rock of Gibraltar, but he kept almost all of those guys. And they've got to hire this that. guy quick, yep. Because, like yep. you said, uh, December signing day is in like two or three weeks. So yep. this has got to be done immediately. Absolutely. Immediately, we need to move on on the Sports Auto on a Thursday afternoon. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, give James River Air a call. Give them a try for a free in-home consultation. Check them out online at jamesriverair.com. Uh, we're going to go way off the beaten path of you know the mainstream sports and stories for our next segment. I'm kind of looking forward to the break a little bit here. We are going to talk USA fencing. Uh, they have a big tournament coming to the RVA this weekend at the Greater Richmond Convention Center. Brian Wendell, the Director of Communications for USA Fencing, is going to join us here right after the break. We'll find out all about that. It's another great tournament coming to the Greater Richmond Convention Center, uh, sponsored by our friends at Richmond Region Tourism. Brian joins us coming up right after the timeout. And then Sean and I will finish it up to 6 o'clock. You want to talk more JMU and Signetti and who's next? We'll do that. We can talk NFL. we got college basketball we can certainly get into. So we got all of that. The time's going to go quickly. We appreciate you keeping us locked in right here. USA Fencing is our next topic of conversation coming up on the Sports Auto. All right, welcome back. Bob Black here, Sean Robertson from CBS 6 there. And joining us for what I think is going to be a really interesting, fascinating segment here, as I said, we're going to go a little bit off the beaten path there. I love the events that Richmond Region Tourism brings into our community and Central Virginia because we learned so much about these events and how vested the athletes are in them and the importance of them and bringing them to Richmond. And I got another one for you here. Let's talk some USA fencing with the director of communications for USA Fencing, Brian Wendell. They're bringing their fencing tournament here to the RVA this weekend, Friday through Sunday, at the Greater Richmond Convention Center. Great location. We have been there. We have done live remotes for these events in the past, and we got another one coming up this weekend. Brian, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, the, the eyes of the fencing world are on Richmond this weekend, so we're really excited to be there. Well, tell us about what the eyes will be looking at uh, when USA Fencing and your tournament comes here to Richmond. Absolutely, yeah. So we have 1,700 of the best young fencers from all across the country, and even some international fencers 
are in Richmond or will be soon, might be flying in as, as we speak right now for the December North American Cup. And this is part of our national event circuit. Uh, nine competitions take place throughout the year with several stops. And this one is fascinating because it includes our Division One, which is the top fencers. So this will include Olympians and Olympic hopefuls. And the points they earn in Richmond on the fencing strip will help qualify them for the Paris Olympics. So it's, mm. it's not only a fun event, it's an important stop on their road to, to the Olympic Games. So I think you're kind of answering, what kind of age range are we talking about here for this weekend? So there's three different categories competing in Richmond. There's our cadets, which are under 17. So these are these are people who are, you know, rising stars in the sport. There's juniors, which is under 20. And then there's Division One, which is anybody 14 or older who's, I guess you could say, good enough to earn enough points to be in that top elite division. So you could have someone who's relatively new, a 15-year-old, competing against Lee Kiefer, an Olympic champion, uh, a gold medalist from Tokyo. So it, it brings everybody together under one roof there mm. at the convention center. Hey, Brian, you mentioned about the, Olymp- the Olympics coming up. Um, are there any athletes that have a, a realistic shot of qualifying for the, uh, for the Paris Olympics that will be competing uh, this weekend in Richmond? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, about 16 Olympians um, who have already been to at least one Olympic Games who are in the field, and then several more who are hoping to strengthen their place. So if they finish with a gold medal, finish fifth place, eighth place, 100th place, all of those will give them a certain number of points that will, when the season is all said and done in April, will determine who makes those coveted Olympic Games spots. So absolutely, I can I can say with 100% certainty that um, the Paris team um, will be comprised of a bunch of people who are there competing in Richmond right now. Some of them are in a, in a great spot. Some of them need to bench really well in Richmond to enhance their spot. But it's all it's all happening this weekend right in, right in Richmond. Now, USA Fencing, they've had a history with uh, events being in Richmond in recent years. What is it about the city and maybe actually the location of where this championship and this tournament will take place? What is it about those two that, I guess, says to USA Fencing that, you know, the, the River City is a, a prime location to host a, an important event such as this? Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, so I mentioned we have 1,700 fencers coming in, but it's not just them. It's their, their families, their coaches, their team. And so it's really important to us to find cities that fencing families tell us they want to come back to, frankly. So we are always on the lookout for cities that want to, that want to partner with us to bring one of our events to them. And Richmond Region Tourism has been such a great partner. This is actually our first North American Cup in Richmond since March 2022. So we've been... We've been missing Richmond for, for a little while, but we're back now. And they've been just fantastic partners for us uh, both this year and historically. And then also we've got to give a shout-out to Gerald Taylor with Richmond Region Tourism who helped us get this one on the books. It was not to get too far into the weeds here, but it was a pretty short timeline, a short turnaround to get this one going. And he and his team were, were just awesome making that happen for us. Brian, I want you to, to kind of fill Sean and me in and our audience in on exactly, you know, if they were going, what they would see in terms of the event itself. But can I backpedal for just yeah. a moment? Because I'm fascinated by different sports that we don't talk a whole lot about or recognize a whole lot. And I'm brutally honest, fencing is certainly one of them. From your experience, 
How have these athletes kind of gotten involved in this sport? How how has this become a passion for them? Are there are there countries where this is their sport? You know, you know, what I'm kind of saying like like how have yeah, these yeah. athletes gotten so involved in fencing? That, that's a great question. And for a lot of them, when you talk to them, they'll say it was they saw it in in a, a TV show or a movie. So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. like The Parent Trap, Princess Bride, Star Wars. There's there's these movies and you know current more current ones at like Wednesday on Netflix and, and other shows that have fencing storylines or at least scenes involving fencing. And they say, Hey, that looks pretty cool. And then they, you know, they go to, they go to Google or um, back in the day, they, they go to the phone book and they say, is there a fencing club near me? And, you know, I should, I should say Richmond fencing club, great club right there in Richmond. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're saying, I, I might want to put my kid in fencing or get into the, the sport myself, you know, look up Richmond fencing club. They're easy to find online. But so, so they see that and then they go try it out and they're hooked. They, they call it physical chess because you're getting to move around. But, you know, unlike running, where you're really going against the clock in your own body, in something like fencing, you're you're going against your opponent, and they're trying to outthink you and and get score that touch on you before you're able to, to hit them with your blade. And so it's it's really a constant cat and mouse game to see who can who can score that point on the strip. And and no two bouts are the same, which is why fans like it, and of course it's why fencers love it when they put on the mask. I was going to ask about, I guess, the the scoring mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. You mentioned about the right. points and everything like that. So, so for a, I guess, a casual fan or a novice who are not is not too familiar with that. When we see a match, the length of the match, how is it scored, mm-hmm. and th- things of that nature. Yeah, totally. It's it, it, to me the best way to learn it is, is honestly, and it's, it's, it's going to be a cop out answer. It's going to sound like, but <laughs> it's to go and, and it's to go and watch it. Mm-hmm. So we should say, you know, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. All the competition days. It's free. It's open to the public. So so come on down and watch it, and you'll find that that you'll understand it that way. But just to explain it briefly, um, there each fencer is holding their blade, and the blade is connected to an electrified scoring system. And so when it registers a touch in your opponent's target area and again we could go you know we could spend an hour going over this but there's yeah. there's three di- there's three different weapons and each has its own unique rules and target area but if you if you get a touch in your opponent's target area before they get a touch against you then essentially that's going to score you a point and the first fencer to get to 15 points within those three three minute periods is going to be the winner and so it's all done an entire um fencing bout is done in about 10 minutes so it happens fast and the action is super fast but once you spend a few moments watching it you'll see just how much um how much competitiveness there is to it how much thinking goes into it and how it is really like a chess game where you're you're trying to figure out what moves your opponent's going to try to make um, before they even make them I love the analogies that you used yeah. there. I mean, you described that that brilliantly, without without a doubt. And, and you alluded to this, so let's say it again for the audience, because I think there will be some people intrigued. This is all weekend at the Richmond Convention Center, and it is free and open to the public, right? It is for sure, yeah. And, and come on down to the Richmond Convention Center. There's been things all day, every day, basically, when, when you look at the 18 different events that we have. And it starts at 8 a.m., and the finals for each of those events, um, you know, it, it's hard to say it's a sport, so it, it's not, um, it's, it's happening live there, but around 7 or 8 p.m. to catch those, those finals. And each day of the competition, um, there are Olympians in the field. So that Division One tournament will 
start right there on the first day with Garrick Meinhardt, Miles Chenley Watson. These are names of, of people who um, have Olympic medals and want to earn some more in Paris here in just about seven months. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate you localizing this by talking about the Richmond Fencing Club, and we'll certainly pass some of that information along as well. But I, I assume there's a, a USA Fencing website that would be easy for people to go take a look and start to learn a little more about it. Oh, yeah, please. We'd love for you to check out usafencing.org. And there's a club finder tool right there that would, would show you Richmond Fencing Club. And if you put in your zip code or, it, you know, if you're, if you're from somewhere else and happen to be tuning in, then you can find a club near you. And then also, you know, find us on social media at USA Fencing on all the different channels. And people can, um, can follow the tournament and get a taste of what's happening there. And then hopefully they, they come on down and check it out. Absolutely. Brian, this was fascinating. I knew it would be. You did a great job of describing it, and I'm sure a lot of people have gained some interest in it. And, hey, have a great tournament this weekend here in Richmond. Thanks, guys. We're excited, and we hope to see you out there. Absolutely. All right, Brian Wendell, hope that thing goes great. Um, it's a great place to host it at the Greater yeah. Richmond Convention Center, Richmond Region Tourism, uh, doing a terrific job with that. I now know more about fencing than I've ever known before. But I remember it, back in the day, ESPN would show those uh, fencing yes, they would. events and yep. things of that nature, but... I never knew that it was attached. Nope. <laughs> to you know, almost like a you know, like a one of those uh, scoring systems that you would see in track, where you know it automatically just you know it generates something where it, it scores. So that's it's very interesting. And so. and my impression of fencing is like it goes back into like almost prehistoric times, right? Kind of kind of like that that kind of a sport, mm-hmm. and yet it's so modern yep. with the electronic scoring system yes. that it pretty much blends the old and the new that's pretty cool yeah that really is and i love that his answer was kind of what you and i were talking about like oh fencing we know that because we watched zorro right. in the movies and on tv and he's like well these premier athletes that's how they picked they it up it. just by watching a movie that's what happens that's pretty i love that that's great all right kudos again richmond uh, region tourism they've done it again with another great tournament i'll be fascinated to find out how that one goes usa fencing at uh, richmond Convention Center this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, basically all day, any yeah. day. Go stop in. It's free. You can stay for 10 minutes. You stay for 10 hours. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> all right. Thanks again to Brian for, for joining us and to our partners at Richmond Region Tourism. All right. Back to the more mainstream sports. We'll do that after we take the bottom of the hour break. We'll do that for our final half hour of the Thursday sports huddle. And uh, it is the final sports huddle of the week. Because I'll be back on another airplane tomorrow. Uh, wherever it goes, I'm just going to show up. Uh, we're heading to Albany. It's not the chopper. He's taking the charter. But we're taking the charter. <laughs> yep, we are taking the charter. Um, it's the way to go. I will I will tell <laughs> oh, you <I> that. <laughs> even even getting home at 2.30 in the morning, it's still the way to go, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So we can talk a little spider football as well, because they got the big playoff game. We've already talked Randolph-Macon's playoff game as well. All of that, last half hour or whatever you'd like to talk about. Great calls today. Keep them coming. 804 804- 327-0888. Sean and I back after a timeout. 1061 ESPN. Uh, let's get into a little college basketball. Shall we? We haven't done any of that yet today because it's been all pretty much college football. Uh, really good night for the Atlantic 10 last night. Headlined yeah. by St. Joe's beating Villanova at Villanova. I mean, that? you don't know how that sends shockwaves through the Big Five and the city of brotherly love mm-hmm. for that to happen. That that Billy Lang was on the hot seat there at St. Joe's. Now he's just hot. Yeah, the no Hawks. Question. The Hawk will never die. The Hawk no is question. here. Yeah, 
I mean, that's that's huge. Obviously, the Big Five to have that tournament, but then to have St. Joe's defeat a ranked Villanova team, that is huge for uh, for St. Joe's and the A10. I mean, you know, when we had uh, Commissioner Burnett McGlade, you know, important games like that or those MTE tournaments, um, it's very very important for the A10 to uh, look good, to to perform well, win those games if you can. That's huge. Uh, for St. Joe's to do that. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to try and find this tweet real quick. I don't think I'm going to be able to. And yeah, I think we all read John Rothstein's tweets, don't we? I mean, college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, who's he with? CBS Sports, right? Uh, Rothstein? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? Yep. And yep. and he listed a handful of 810 wins that I'm trying to find it. Here it is. Power Conference wins for the Atlantic 10. Dayton has two, LSU St. John's, St. Joe's Villanova, uh, St. Bonaventure beat Oklahoma State, Davidson over Maryland, Loyola over Boston College, VC over Penn State. Then he says there's better basketball being played in the A-10 than most know, but the league needs to adapt an entirely new model. What does that mean? I don't know. Does he say? Uh, I'm going to see if, if, that, if he followed up with that. Oh, here it is. Go back to 16 league games. Okay. Come up with innovative ways to find quad one and quad two opportunities for your best teams. Well, they've been trying to do that for 10 years. Now, play Mm -hmm. league games when power conferences are not playing. That's a lot easier tweeted than done, I would say. Yeah, that's, I mean, other than the top one. But the problem with the top one, Sean, go, go back to 16 league games. They can't find teams to play them. Mm-hmm. You know the every team in the A10 would be dying to do a not only a home and home. I had this conversation with Chris Mooney the other day, and I said, "Whatever happened to the days of two for ones? Mm-hmm. Just two for ones." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "They'd hang up on you now in a heartbeat. You can't even get a two for one now." Nope. So I mean, these are great ideas by Rothstein, but they just can't work. Well, to me, number two, the to me the innovative way to play those quad have those quad one and quad two opponents is to play in those MTEs. Absolutely. I mean Absolutely. that's that's a given. You know, ne- let's just say for Richmond and VCU, you're never going to get. Let's say for for Richmond, you're never going to get a Syracuse or a Oklahoma State Mm-mm. or even Virginia Virginia Tech to come to the Robin Center. Nope. The only way a school like Richmond and or VCU will have a quad one or two opponent or opportunity is to play in these MTEs, and you have to schedule it. If not every year, every other year to guarantee yourself probably two of those Power Five opportunities. Mm-hmm. If not, then you have to say, okay, if we can't do that, let's do high mid majors. Who are some teams? Name some teams that we know year after year are going to compete not only for their league championship, but they're going to get an at large bid for the tournament. And we had this conversation, I think, last season. I said, just go to go out west. All of those teams, San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State, those teams out west, St. Mary's, that can year after year are going to win 23, 25 games, maybe not win the West Coast Conference Championship or the Mountain West Conference Championship, but they're always in the discussion for an at-large bid because they go out and play who they want. Mm-hmm. Florida FAU, Final Four team, resume builder. You're going to have to play high mid-majors like that if you can't get into those MTEs. And I think if you play those teams, if not one-for-one, two-for-one, a neutral court, Mm -hmm. you have to play those teams and 
you know, I know you want those home games, but if what's what's the what's the most important thing? Do you want to build your resume? Do you want to show the committee we will play whoever, whenever, wherever, or do you want the more home games? Mm-hmm. Something has got something has to outweigh the other to make the NCAA tournament. And I think both Richmond and VCU have done a good job of being in those MTEs with some power opponents. Take this year as an example. VCU goes to the ESPN events thing in Orlando, and they get three power opportunities, right? We're all they three got, of those uh, teams. They got Iowa State and Penn State, Boise State. Oh, uh, Boise State won. So two of the three. Yeah, and, and Richmond had the same opportunity. They got Colorado the first game. They could have had Florida State second yeah. game. It didn't work out. They got UNLV instead, which is still an okay opponent. And they've got another neutral court one against Florida. Florida coming up so they're doing the best they can they can't even get like pay us to come be your your whipping boy they're they're too good to do that they're not vcu is not getting a game at um i don't know oklahoma oklahoma's not paying vcu 50 grand to come play them there it's not happening and hey, you think uh for a, for a one shot deal yeah. so I, I mean good for john right rustin to have these ideas but none of these work and, outs- and outside of that cla- and outside the clause in the VCU's con- coaches' contracts, you would never get Alabama, you would never get Oklahoma, Mm-mm. you would never get Texas or LSU to come to the Seagull Center without that clause in those coaches' contract right. that guaranteed a home-and-home home series. Yeah, uh, And even that, they can get out of that they if they get, pay them, right? They yeah. don't even have to do that. And credit to Alabama, Oklahoma, and Texas – for not getting out of those deals. They played the home-and-homes just like it was supposed to in the contract. Mm-hmm. LSU did not. They didn't uh, didn't do the home game with VCU after they uh, beat them in 21, I believe. Hopefully Penn State. I was going to say, what might, what's Mike Rhodes going to do? <laughs> well, he's already got one game under his belt. Yeah, but, you, you know, didn't like that one too I, much. <laughs> I, I really think it, it would be a bad look to Penn State if they just say now, okay, we're going to wipe it completely out. Got to play one. So, you know, either we, you know, they've already been there. They should return a favor and at least give the opportunity to have Penn State come to the Seagull Center <laughs> to play. Keep an eye we'll, on that. We will see. But, yeah, I mean, just. So, I, beyond that, I think the A-10's done a decent job. Yeah. Not great, but decent, certainly. I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, already seven power mm-hmm. five wins. There's probably not too many more chances. Um, Richmond's got Florida. Richmond's got, got Florida. Yeah, um, there's probably a couple others on there. VCU's got the Memphis. Memphis. It's not Power not Five, power but they five, made but the tournament a couple years. Yeah. It's it's a you would take that a one. high mid major. Yeah. But yeah, even with Houston, that's I mean those yeah. teams in the in the uh, AAC. I guess you would call it a Power Six. It's gonna be hard. Can you get a Houston? Can you get a Cincinnati? Uh, I'm trying to think who else in that. Um, those really the big two in that conference or oh, Memphis. Um, those three consistently to do home and home series. Mm-hmm. Outside of the MTE, it's going to be very hard to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, what do you make of Virginia? That was a good win for them last night. Yeah, beating, uh, beating uh, Texas A&M. Yep, Buzz. Buzz, yeah. and, and also Henry Coleman, a former Trinity yeah, right. uh, standout, right. who uh, who came back. A little bit concerned about the offense. Yeah, you know, well, that, you know What else year. is new? Um, Look, Sean, when you can score only 59 <laughs> points and you still win by double figures— I know. <laughs> I know it's not the prettiest basketball. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. And it's and they're going to get better. Yeah, they're, they're going to get better. I, you know, I guess we're just you know the expectation is Tony Bennett. It's another solid team. They're going to play the heavy hitters. That's a that's a good win. And hopefully they don't struggle. You know with those those scoring drops which we have seen in the past. But that was a good win at home to beat a mm-hmm. to beat a solid Texas A&M team. On the other hand, you could be Virginia Tech. 
and their last two games, they just haven't even competed. You know, I was really surprised with that Florida Atlantic game. Yeah, I mean, I you know, again, up and coming team right now after coming off the Final Four, but they absolutely destroyed them in the second half. I mean, it was that wasn't even close in the second half, and you would think with the with the scoring that they have in the backcourt with Padula. And also Couture, Couture yeah. Um, but they had that, I mean, both of them struggled in that game against FAU. But that's that's a credit to them. And Drew Williamson, former ODU, he coached at uh, at, Confer- mm-hmm. at Virginia State, played and coached at Old Dominion, um, helping out. You know, being an assistant coach down there at FAU. That's and they kept their head coach. That was another thing. He was the hot commodity after the Final Four. They mm-hmm. got hit, got him an extension, so he's he's staying down there with the Owls. So yeah, that's a huge huge win for Florida uh, Atlantic, and they got Liberty. Huge test for the Flames. That's tonight, right? Tonight, 6 it's o'clock. O'clock. Yep. The Flames get a, a ranked team in that neutral court type uh, event. Or field of 68. Field of 68, yeah. 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 So, I, I'm already impressed by Liberty because they beat Wichita State. Now, I was on a neutral court. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I was, I, um, Wichita State was better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah. And maybe maybe that happened to the Spiders, too. I, I don't know. I, I doubt it. They're usually pretty well prepared. But I think they were better than we expect that they would be. They're not very deep. Yeah, they only play seven guys. And that was a Marshall thing. He never really Greg Marshall, who was the head coach of Greg. Yeah, he really didn't go in his. He really didn't have a deep bench either. But that seven or eight guys he had. This guy is from Oral Roberts, where he turned that thing around. They were thirty and five last year. They'd been to Sweet Mm Sixteen. He the the seven guys he's got are pretty pretty good. Very complimentary of each other. Mm -hmm. They got big. They got two big guys. One is a defensive big guy who blocks shots. Mm -hmm. The other is an offensive big guy who scores a lot of points. And then they got two cards: one who drives and one who shoots threes. Two energy guys that come off the bench, and um, it it wasn't even close to sold out, but it it was a loud building. Yeah. Um, I, I was way more impressed with Wichita State than I thought I was going to be. How big is the injury to Richmond? Uh, to Delani Hunt? To Hunt. Well, it, it, it raised its ugly head for the first time yesterday. Yeah. They really could have used him because of the depth situation in the backcourt. Mikel Tyne did a nice job. Mm-hmm. Actually hit a couple of threes, but got a little overwhelmed by the moment mm-hmm. and bigger, stronger, older mm-hmm. guards. Where, big, that's a big thing, where, older, yeah. grown men yeah, now. Not his fault. Yeah, yeah. Where Delani would have helped. I mean, he definitely held his own, but they, they, he needed reinforcements. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we said this on the broadcast, so I'm not speaking out of school here, but there are two guys for Richmond. They've just got to get going, although it's going to be a struggle, and that's Jason Roach, who hasn't hit but one shot in the last four games probably, Ooh. and Aiden Noyes. Um, who also looked a little overwhelmed yeah. last night, and coach took him out and never really put him back in. Uh, Jai Bailey really stepped up and played great. I, I My gut feeling tells me Jai Bailey starts on Saturday, uh, and maybe you bring Aiden Noyes off the bench, let him take a look at the game for a little mm-hmm. bit, relax a little mm-hmm. bit, because they, they need his athleticism and his ability. He can. I, I think we think he's a better player than he thinks he is right now, You know, and I think that's kind of showing. He's got to have the confidence yeah. in himself that he can play. But they need those two guys to, to Definitely fill Roche. Rolls. You brought him from the Citadel to yep. shoot, and yep. he shot the ball good last year. Yep. Um, only thing with Bailey, we had that last year. We saw the, the glimpses, and then he had the unfortunate injury to his hand. If he could just stay healthy, Gotta stay healthy. That'll be that's gonna be him. Him and Bigelow. If you can work those two together, they should be they should be good at that position. And speaking of scheduling, here's my thought on Richmond. To me, the the biggest game left on this non I, I divide this thing into three things. Most people do non conference, conference 
conference tournament. Mm-hmm. So you got three different mm-hmm. sections. Yep. So the game at Northern Iowa next Wednesday to me is the crossroad game for mm-hmm. Richmond. You got Florida. You're not going to be favored in that game. I'm not saying the Spiders won't win. They've gone down there and beaten yes, Florida down did. there before. Yes, they have. So it could still happen. But Northern Iowa to me is the one they've they got to get a road win. They were one and eleven on the road last year. Mm-hmm. Different team. Mm-hmm. They got to get a road. That's they got to get that one. Win the rest of the home games. Can't just roll the ball out. I mm-hmm. get it, but they mm-hmm. will be favored against William and Mary, mm-hmm. Charlotte, Buffalo, and Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And you'll finish non-conference nine and four. Solid. If you could find a way to beat Florida, you'd be ten and three. But I think nine and four puts you in a position. The schedule does what it would have been supposed to do to get you into a ten play. Mm-hmm. I All would right, agree there's with my that. thoughts on Richmond. What are your thoughts on VCU? My thoughts on VCU. Um, with the with now, if Barristow can come back, and we're looking about probably now Alcorn State as a target date, either Alcorn State or the Temple game, the decision on Bama Seal for him to say you're you're ineligible, the injury to Jason Nelson now it's a really short bench. I mean, he's probably going to play eight guys max. They got to get some more scoring. Um, that's going to be the key. Defensively, they were they were solid. They were solid. If you can bottle up that game from Fats Billups, which he mm-hmm. had against Penn State, he was great. 23 points in, I think, 24 or 5 minutes. Um, maybe not get 23 points, but just having him active on both ends of the floor. The confidence showed in that game. Once mm-hmm. a couple of shots fall, fell, defensively, he was more active. I think they're going to be okay. To me, the Memphis game is going to be huge. On a national on a national stage against a team that beat them convincingly at their place last year, if you can get that one, and then you got to take care of your home games. You have Alcorn State, Temple, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, and I think uh, I forgot the last one off the top of my head. I think might have been another. Um, I can't think of the last non-conference game, and I should pull it up. Real yeah, quick. I could do that too. But, but if you win, it's there to win yes. and to roll into conference play, feeling pretty good, just like Richard. Yeah, I think they have like an eight-game homestand. Yes, they, they do. You know, no non, you know, no true road game nope. in the non-conference schedule. So take care of the home games, including those two, to lead the conf. You know, right. to go into conference play, you should be fine. I mean, what two, three losses, uh, McNeese. I don't think it's going to be as bad. No, a loss definitely not. Because McNeese, I think, is going to run through that that conference yeah, with those guys not. they got. And then you lost to Iowa State close, and you lost to Boise close. And those guys, I think, they're going to compete in their yeah. conference tournaments too. So, I, if they take care of their business, but I think they that could they, be ten and three, nine and four, something also. like that. That Memphis, the crossroad game, I think that will be the Memphis, Memphis game. game. Yep. All right, so we each have one. Yep. All right, there you go. There's some college basketball talk. Uh, Sean and I will finish it up on the other side. It's been an eventful couple of hours today. Uh, The Kurt Signetti news is still dominating his departure from James Madison, but there's plenty of college basketball and all sorts of other stuff. Gardner-Webb. I'm sorry, Bob. Oh, that's the other game on the schedule. There you go. All winnable games. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, finish it next on the Sports Auto 1061 ESPN. All right, we got, uh, I don't know, four or five minutes here. I want to make a quick comment on Delaware's move from FCS to FBS. You're shaking your head on this. That that threw me. When I saw the tweet that said, we're, you know, we're leaving the mm-hmm. CAA, I'm like, well, where are you going? And then I saw Conference USA. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Conference yeah. USA? So we're just adding another, <laughs> another market to this conglomerate of teams yep. in Conference USA. 
you've been to Delaware. I mean, are there facilities? They're getting there. This has been rumored there for the last year and a half to two years okay. that they were they were making this move to FBS. Mm. Uh, and I read an article with their athletic director, and, and she's had this on her plate pretty much since she got there. She's from Michigan. She's an FBS person. Mm-hmm. Um and and she had answers to all the questions, the whole travel rivalries, yeah. all of that. But I, I do think it's going to be hard. But they're a big state school. I mean, yeah. they twenty five thousand students. They can expand Delaware Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have put other facilities in place. Mm-hmm. I, I get that they're going to give it a try. I do. I just think it's going to be hard. No one's going to know the opponents. Yep. You know, this is going to be like what Old Dominion went through, yep. and it was a disaster for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, JMU did this the smart way. Like, I remember years ago when their alums were irate that they weren't making, why aren't we going, why aren't we? And JMU stayed its ground and just waited mm-hmm. until the right fit mm-hmm. came along. I give them all the credit in the world yeah. for that. But Conference uh, USA is just like, okay, do you want to go, go to Texas, El Paso? It's tough. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Uh, that's cr- now she Mexico had, like State? I said, she had answers for all those questions, yeah. but mm. I, it's it's going to be hard, and and I feel bad for FCS because now we lose another you know power FCS. That was a big rival. That was a big and rival. And Hughesman talked about that on the coaches show today. Yeah, that was actually. a big rivalry with Richmond. Those you remember what it was a five overtime, yep. six overtime. Yeah, that was uh, Joe Flacco was the yeah. quarterback for uh, Delaware. Guys still then. talk about that game. You know, you just now you lose that. Uh, that rivalry with Delaware, I guess Bryant now comes in. Okay, we lose Delaware. We, you know, we get Bryant. Not exactly okay. a fair trade. Not a fair trade. <laughs> I just, I just wonder now. I mean, what, what does the CAA do? I worry about that too. In regards I do. to, do you? I'm think. I just thought you'd break it up in divisions, but I, I don't think they will. You put two eighteen. What is it? Still be sixteen. Well, it'll right? be fifteen be when 15. Delaware leaves. Well, then you guess you still have to keep it one fifteen. I don't know. I don't. It, it, yeah, it's my my other problem here with on the FCS and this landscape's probably all going to change here anyway. But it feels to me that the the balance of power in FCS is clearly west of the Mississippi. No now. question. And all of the good FCS Eastern teams have gone FBS, right? I mean, yep. Nago, Delaware, JMU, yep. Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, yep. Jacksonville State. Yep. All east of the Mississippi are going to are going to FBS. I probably left out a, a couple there too, and. Yeah, Who, I remember who's asking. Left? I remember asking Coach Usman during your team's during the team selection show about, you know, do you have to beef up your schedule just a bit and play those teams maybe west of the Mississippi? Woo! Just, I mean, just just for the argument of okay, if we can beat them instead of playing Michigan State or UVA for the guaranteed buy, playing that team in hopes of we don't have to go to Montana State in December. For or North Dakota State for a quarterfinal or semifinal game, they got to come to us. That'd be nice. That's a question for next week. <laughs> Enjoy the food. Enjoy the festivities. Yes. Um, you're going enjoy, to Virginia State tonight. I'm going to Virginia State and enjoy your trip to Albany. Albany. Quarterfinal, second round matchup, yep. date in the quarters at stake between Richmond and Albany on Saturday. Uh, brunch with the Spiders, 11.30 airtime on Saturday. Like noon, noon kickoff. Yeah. I like it too. Road games earlier are a good thing. Lewis, thanks. Appreciate everybody else who stopped by today. And uh, talk to you on the radio from Albany with Spider Football Saturday, 1130, right here on 1061 ESPN. It's more than a gentleman's club. Paper Moon on.